Hey guys, welcome to your next stop. Again, I am so excited for you guys to join in to listen to someone that has followed a passion and has turned it into a business. So Tara Garrity and I actually have been in contact for months, right, Tara? Yeah, it's actually been a while because I had to go back and be like, wow, we booked this months ago. We booked this months ago because I we met on Clubhouse. So I have not had a Clubhouse guest on for a while. I've been having a lot of LinkedIn. So it's actually my listeners will laugh because they'll be like, oh my gosh, every there was a period of time where it was like every guest was from Clubhouse, which is amazing. So I would love, I cannot wait for you to jump into your story because when I joined Clubhouse is really when you started, you kind of popped up into my my view. I've actually met a lot of people in your club. Hey girl, you can. I'm Stephanie Arnold being one of them who was actually on one of my fireside chats, my live shows. And then Caroline, who was also on the podcast. Welcome to your next stop. This is Juliet Hahn. I am a wife, mom, virtual coach, public speaker, and crazy obsessed dog lover. I am so honored to be able to take you into the life of someone that has followed a passion. Every week, I hope you are as inspired as I am. Welcome to your next stop. So I would love for you just to give my listeners a little bit of insight and then kind of take us back into how like the clubhouse thing evolved for you. So if you can just kind of tell, tell us your story. It's super, super wild. So I, I started my first business when I was 20. So this is like 100 years ago. And I kind of fell into it. It was like my third part-time job while I was in college. And I got involved in a direct sales company. And I actually did really well in it. And I really loved it because if you've ever been involved in, in any kind of direct sales industry, there's a lot of personal development and personal growth. And so I really started to love the coaching women and supporting women and their dreams. And that piece of it was really appealing to me. So I joined this company thinking, I'll do it for a year, quit, get a real job. And 23 years later, this is still what I do, right? So I have this huge organization. But a few years ago, well, now it's been quite a few years ago, um, I was around 29 years old. I had just, I was married. I had my daughter and I don't know how much actually, Julia, you know, of my backstory. I um, don't. That's why I can't wait to hear. About I, it. I was going to a conference. I was very excited. The company had asked me to come in and teach all their leaders at this regional conference, came home. And that weekend, my entire life changed literally overnight. Um, my ex-husband was arrested on a domestic violence assault against me. And I ended up, I mean, it was a crazy season. I ended up with multiple restraining orders, restraining order violations, the police at my house all the time. I found out basically in a very lifetime movie like way that the person I had been married to was a complete fraud. Had like, oh my gosh. drug arrests, um, all this crazy with like, warrants out, like all this crazy stuff, right? So my life is falling apart. I'm like trying to hold on to the pieces, going through this divorce. And uh, the same year that I finally, my divorce was finalized, my daughter had been sick. We had been back and forth to doctors, didn't know what was wrong. Thought, you know, who knew, right? It was weird. Ended up in an emergency room thinking maybe she had pneumonia. She was kind of breathing funny. And it turned out she had stage four cancer and was dying in the emergency room. Like her lungs were collapsing. That's why she oh couldn't breathe. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this is like a really crazy story. <laughs> so, Holy this is, so this is the crazy background. So uh, I, I went through, I call it my six-year, five-year life crisis. Um, it was a defining, defining season of my life that changed who I am permanently. Uh, my daughter is my miracle child. She's now 15. She's amazing. 
but I had this unique skill set that I had all of this personal development, um, plus my initial background in college was in theater. And so I, I had you know mindset work and all of this and just kind of approached her cancer very differently. So I'm trying to go back to my regular life after I'm out of this season and felt very called. A lot of people who had watched what we had done, who had followed our story, were like, you need to write a book. So I ended up creating my second business called Making Cancer Fun. And I started working with families who were going through crazy pediatric life-changing diagnoses, teaching them tools and tips and how do you navigate when the world feels very out of control. Wrote a book, had a TEDx talk, started speaking at conferences. So when Clubhouse came up, a friend of mine said, you need to get on Clubhouse. And I thought, one more app on my phone. Are you kidding me? There's no way I'm doing that. But she said, download it. And I always say a smart thing to do is at least secure your digital real estate. I got my name. I had my yes. name. thought I'm not going to do anything with it. Well, you know my sister-in-law. So it's around Christmas last year. And she says to me, she calls me and she's like, Tara, you're on Clubhouse? And I have to say, it was one of the coolest moments of my life because she's like really into like Instagram and she's an influencer. Right. And I'm like... I, um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know, she's younger than me. So I was like, I'm super cool. So we decided it, it's COVID. We can't do our regular New Year's Eve thing. So we're going to go rent a beach house with the kids for New Year's. And, and what's funny is I live at the beach, but this was an hour away. So it was about a cooler beach. Right, right. And we're literally in this beach house. And she's like, you have to get on this app. And our first room, which I had forgotten about, was the two of us in the bedroom, sitting next to each other together in this room, trying to like, nobody showed up. It was just the two of us right. oh my gosh. trying to figure out these buttons. And so she says to me, well, you need to make a club. And really, Juliet, my initial thought was I'll get onto Clubhouse and I'll be able to connect with parents and, right. and share with them these techniques for making cancer fun. But that community it was not on Clubhouse and still really isn't on Clubhouse. And so I thought, what do I know? I know how to coach women. I'll create a club for women. And then from there, I'll meet parents who have children with life-changing right. medical diagnoses. Well, I had no idea that I was opening Pandora's box. Um, we started our club in January. I needed to come up with a name. I didn't have a name. I was like, what are we going to name this club? It's going to be for women. I have. I remember sitting in my desk when the idea of naming it, Hey Girl, You Can, kind of like fell into my lap. But I can't tell you where that came from. I thought, well, that's what we'll name it. That sounds fun. Right. And... Um, Within 40, it was less than 45 days, we had 10,000 people in the club. I mean, I remember because I have to, I have to pause you for a second because yeah. so, I, I have a, a, a couple questions <laughs> that I need to ask. So your daughter's cancer free. Yes. She is right. my miracle kiddo. Yep. Okay. And so, and did you get remarried? I did not. I've actually been a single mom this whole time, which is crazy. Okay. Uh, but life is very sweet. She and I both have lifetime restraining orders. We haven't, you know, her, her father's out of the picture and, and she's safe and I'm safe. And so it was a tough season, but life is good now. Right, right. Which is just amazing because that's that's the thing. And you, so you've been a single mom. So you also have had all mm -hmm. these tool sets to help raise this child and do this all yourself, which yeah. is a, is a, a special gift because there's not many people that can do that. And so I, I'm just, you know, I applaud you on that. And I did not know that backstory, as you saw yeah. when you guys see the video, my mouth kind of hung open. <laughs> So I feel like I got on Clubhouse 
I, I want to say right around when you started the club, and I don't think it was at the 10th out, like I think it was like right in the initial thing where I also was put in touch with um, Caroline. And it's funny because I jumped into it because of podcasting. So I jumped into Club Pod and that's how we, you know, I think that I was, I jumped that's into one of your- club. It is a great club, right? Um, but I think it was one of the rooms where it was um, like for the newbies, like how to navigate Clubhouse. And that's where I met the two of you. So it was, I think that was like one of the first things. And then just watching your club grow and watching what you guys were doing was really cool from behind the scenes as someone that was like, this is, you know, I love this app. I, rem- I was telling everyone to get the app. It was actually hilarious because... I was like, I don't know what I'm doing either. I got um, involved in Club Pod. I actually still have a room there. I have my own clubs, but I haven't been doing stuff because I got very involved in Fireside, which is the, the mm-hmm. storytelling app, the Mark yeah. Cuban and Fallon Fatim, which kind of has taken me to a whole different direction as well. But I still do Clubhouse stuff because I still have such like a like a happy place for it. It was like a really cool time when it came about. So that must have been, you know, for your daughter to watch you also create this business, do this as a single mom, it has to be something very special for her to know that, especially now that she's healthy, right? That what her, what she went through is what kind of created and helped you grow into a person as well. So, you know, it's very interesting. My daughter can't stand the clubhouse. Um, She has very strong opinions that it's a bunch of quote old people just sitting around talking and no one cares what you have to say. But she is 15. (laughs) She's She's 15, right? Um, But so I would say it's interesting because my daughter, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And and it's interesting. My daughter will be annoyed sometimes. It's like two o'clock in the afternoon. I can't just stop anything that I'm doing to take her because she wants to get ice cream. And she's like, why not? Because she really has no concept of what it would be like growing up in a family with a single mom who left every morning and came back every day. Like she's always had me home with her full time. And she's always had complete flexibility that as a business owner, you know, you work your schedule around whatever. So she, I think she's a little naive to that. And it's interesting because as she's gotten older, you know, she has spoken at events and we've done some cancer podcasts together and stuff like that. But I think she really, it's really important for her to find an identity outside of her cancer. So she knows kind of like, this is what my mom does. And when the book came out, you know, she wanted to look at all the pictures and okay, all the pictures before we published it and everything. Um, But I actually didn't really want her reading the book. And she said to me at one point, she's like, well, you know, if you sell the book, that's really my story. And I said, no, you have your story. This is my story. And they really are two different stories. My story is as a mom who went through this with the adult things and your story as the kiddo with your kid things. And they, um, while they overlap, I, I very much honor that her experience was different than my experience. And what she's taken from that is different from what I've taken from that. And it's okay. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. And that's so uh, like, that's, again, just shows the kind of person you are, but that's so true. And I love that she said, well, this is my story. And you're like, no, 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 this is coming from me because what you had to go through I mean, no mother wants to ever have to go through that. I mean, that's heartbreaking. That's, I mean, I can't even imagine having to wake up every day not knowing if your child's going to live, right? So that is a whole, you know, a whole, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> I mean, really. Yeah, it changes so, your perspective of life, I think, permanently. I, I, I'm just, I'm going to assume, you know, I, fortunately, I've never had to deal with any of that. And I hope I don't, you know, because that is, that is, you know, that's terrible to have to see your child go through that. So I love that you said that this is my story, you know, and, and maybe she'll write a book one day because, you know, from her perspective, but again, you know, being the teen, I, I've got a few of those in my house. <laughs> it, is, it is, um, 
you know, with, with right, us being on social media different than their social media is, you know, I, I will get, you know, comments every once in a while, like, well, that's really, that's just an old person thing. And, you know, it's funny, because I'm like, first of all, I'm not old, um, 90s old, 95s old, you know, I'm, I'm midlife. So it's, it, that's very interesting. So I would love for you to jump in and then, you know, talk about so you said, what was it the first few days that you had 10,000 first few so weeks, it was months? Under, it was less than 45 days we had 10,000 people, which remember though, at the time, the app was still in beta. It was yes. only, it was only people who had iPhones. I mean, it didn't have the number of people that we have on now. And people started asking me, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I think it's important to remember that when whatever your gifts are, whatever you're really good at, you probably are so good at it that you don't realize other people don't do that. Right. And so I kept saying, well, I'm not doing anything. Right. Um, And then I had a friend who really started to kind of grill me. She's like, but what? And and as I started to explain to her what I was doing, she said, well, Tara, you really are doing things. And what I realized was that I had, I had already built communities for years before Clubhouse. I had built Facebook groups. I had built in-person networking events. I mean, just that is one of my gifts and it's become a skill to learn how to do. And so I was applying that to building a club. And it just continued to grow. We, we're currently the number two parenting club in, on Clubhouse. I and I think we're, we're in the top 10. I, I don't know if we're eight or where we, where we are right now for women's clubs, which is really exciting. And I think what's been really beautiful for me is as the club was growing and realizing it wasn't going to be what I initially anticipated, which was parents with life-threatening diagnoses, but that it was a platform for women and really thinking, how do, what do we want to do with this? You know, how, how do we want to leverage this, but what's the purpose of this? And the two pillars that I really go back to that I, I believe the club is founded on is one is that it's the most positive place on Clubhouse. That that is, we have a, a no venting policy. And sometimes people ask me about that. And then I share with them the science of what happens to the body and the negative effects of both venting and listening to people vent. That it's not that bad things don't happen in life, but it's how do you choose to see it? We talk a lot about reframing, that you can't always choose the picture of your life. But you can choose the frame in which you choose, yes. in which you're going to look at that photo, um, and we choose that it's going to be a positive frame because that's where our power lies in the choice, right? And so we're founded on that and the positive, and then also that it's a a platform where women's voices get to be heard. That when a woman leaves the space, she feels elevated, she feels inspired, she feels like I really can, and whatever that is, whether that's business or personal or just you know, being a mom or having a dream to create something or even just drinking enough water every day, right? Like, what is it that, that you believe you're capable? I think women are often told what they're, they can't do. Um, their voices are silenced, that what they have to say isn't important or that their perspective is limited. Oh, well, you know, you're a woman or whatever. And that women are very powerful, that every single person brings unique perspective, life experiences, the way that we're wired, and that every single person has a gift to kind of bring to the table. And so this is a space where that is celebrated and that the people who have a message to be heard have a platform to get that message out to people. And I really believe, I I truly believe that women are incredibly collaborative. I think it's wired in our nature. You know, we all had to if you think about when you lived in villages, right? The men had to go out and was who killed the buffalo? He came back as the victor and the, the the one who was the best, right? Where women, it was we were gathering berries together. It didn't matter that you gathered the biggest blueberry. It was how many did we collectively gather that we could eat? So yes. we have this kind of collaborative nature wired into us. Um, 
and that we're told by the outside world, you know, women are catty and they're stabby and they watch your back in competition. And I don't actually believe that. I believe that Neither women do actually I. Are, are collaborative, but that if you really brought all the women together, we'd rule the world. Yes. Right. So there's a reason to keep us apart because right. we're so powerful together. So powerful. Um, and so I hope that this community, you know, embodies that. And that women feel that sisterhood. Yes. And I'm going to pause you there because I've been in your rooms many times and uh, many times. And my listeners know a lot of times when I'm doing like my self-reflection or just when I'm kind of calming down or, you know, in my creative mode is when I walk my dogs. And so there's been many times that I've come into your rooms when I'm walking my dogs just to be like, you know what? this is the space I need to like, this is the space that's pulling me today because I know it's always going to be positive. I know I'm going to meet really cool women. That was where I met Stephanie Arnold. And that was a few, um, a few months ago, but it was a very, that's like, anytime I leave one of your rooms, it is always that it's always like leaving after I've done a podcast, right? Because this is what I love about what I do. I love interviewing people like you that can elevate others. I love that I am able to have a platform that I can elevate women to share their stories because our stories are what makes us. And the thing that you said is so true is everyone has situations, right? Some, and if yours is bigger or smaller, like everyone, it's how you show up to your situation. And if you show up with the negative mindset, your, your situation is going to seem way bigger. But if you so, show up with a positive, I'm going to get through it. And no, not always. It's not always, you know, like rah, rah, shish, kumbah. You're going to have hard days. But the more days that you can try to get to the other side of that negativeness and look for a couple good things that are happening, the better your life is going to be because the better you're going to show up for yourself. And so I feel that every time I come into your rooms, every time I leave them, I'm always feeling very happy and excited. I love that. That makes me so happy. <laughs> but it really does. I mean, and I'm not, and I'm not just saying this, my listeners know I'm not, you know, I don't just bullshit, but it really, really does. And that's what one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here. Because, you know, as I said, I was in Clubhouse and I saw it kind of pop up and then grow. And anytime, like literally, and you have, why don't you give us a couple of the titles of, you know, the rooms that you have, because you have rooms on all different topics, correct? Yeah. And I think that is what's one of the things that's unique about this space is that we're probably more clear on what we don't talk about than what we do talk about, because really we have all these different types of women. So we have everything from a group of new moms that might be talking about, you know, breastfeeding and getting through sleeping through the night and dealing with this kind of my life is turned upside down now motherhood to a group of women that are in this, you know, 50 plus, and it's this midlife. And what does my life look like now with my children gone and my second act? And how do I define myself? Then we have rooms on everything from, you know, gratitude and personal development and being your best self to how to rock your Instagram, how to do a reel, you know, how to time block. So there's really, it runs the gamut that hopefully everybody feels like there's a space for them. And we're constantly, I mean, every, pretty much every week I'm getting, you know, multiple people messaging me saying, Hey, I'd love to bring this room to the club. I'd love to bring this room to the club. And I look for rooms that are going to inspire women to believe that they can, so whether that's a skill, like I want to publish my first book, or this is really cool. We don't, so it is a woman's voice. It is a platform for women's voices to be here, heard. I have, I will say we brought some men in who've been phenomenal. Um, and we have a man this month, actually, that we're doing a room on women's self-defense. And he approached me on how there's basic skills that you can teach a woman that will keep her safe. And I thought, well, what an awesome that topic is awesome. to bring to our club, which is something we've never had a room on, right? I recently had a girl who said, I'd love to do sound bath medic, you know, 
energy meditation. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So, and then you, you know, try them out and you see what do people, um, we have one of the girls from Club Pod because I've been a guest in their club and they've come and done guests for our clubs. We have a lot of people who want to build podcasting. Right. One of our most popular rooms is I connected with this phenomenal woman. One of my goals for the community is to build out a blog so that we can feature the content of the members and get their voices again, get their voices seen. Right. Um, and so Terry Holiday has a blog and I said to her, can you do a room for us? I don't really know anything about blogging. And she said, sure. And the room was so popular that now she runs a regular room and teaches people how to make money blogging. That's awesome. And, and that's, yeah, that those are like those cool kind of things because that's like, and I love what you said, because the other thing that shows, you know, that you are a woman of your word, you're a woman that supports is because you have all these people that come to you and say, Hey, I want to be a part of this. How can I be a part of this club? And, um, can you take us a little bit about that? Like in the beginning where you like, Oh my gosh, okay. I was just, you know, I just put my name cause I wanted my digital space. Right. And now I have all these people coming to me saying, Hey, I want to help you grow this club because I see what you're doing and I love what you're doing. So it's been interesting. I think, so there's two things. I think you attract who you are, not what you want. And I do believe that uh, because I, I truly deep in my heart believe in collaboration and believe that women are supported together, that those types of women are being attracted into that space because it's a positive space. If that, that doesn't resonate with you and that's not who you want to be, you might hang out in a room or two, but you're going to leave, right? I also think that, and I, I teach this, the difference between building a community versus building an audience. An audience is... I'm sharing information. Everybody is listening to me. A community is really, you're, you're serving your community as a leader. You're there to support the members of your community. They're not there to support you. And so uh, being very invested in your time, in your energy, in your words, in that are you building the people in your community? So for example, one of the things that we do, and, and this was my friend Stephanie's idea, I had all these people reaching out saying, can I pick your brain? Can I hop on a Zoom? I'd love to... And I thought, I want to say yes to everybody, but you're limited on time, right? Yes. I've got three different projects going on right now that this has popped up and, and my daughter full time. Um, and so we do a once a week clubhouse coffee and it's different times every week. They're random times. I put them out in the email so that people know, but I just show up for an hour, an hour and a half and it's an open room and the topic can be whatever you want to talk about. So if somebody messages me and they're like, I'd love to talk, I'd love to pick your brain about this. I say, here's the coffee. Come show up. Let's talk about that. And it's an, an hour to an hour and a half every week that I show up and serve our community. And I think it's been very, uh, I think it's been a really cornerstone of our success because number one, people say to me all the time, oh, I'm in these clubs. I don't know who the founders are. I don't know who right. made them. I don't have any personal relation. I think when people get to know you and your story and everybody has a story, but when people get to know you and who you are, they become more aligned with this is a space I want to be in. They know that you're there to serve them, that you're not just there to pitch or have a personal gain or anything like that. And they become connected to each other. And so, and that they're, you know, you're getting in front of people week after week that you're like, I'm committed to this community and I want you to be part of that. So that has been huge. I think as, as people hear the, how the club started and hopefully it separates that we're a community. We're not just a club that lives in clubhouse but that there's a space for you off of Clubhouse as well within our community. Uh, and, and where does that, where do you want to be in that, you know? And, um, and even questions like, how do I host rooms? How do I get rooms seen? How do I, you know, build my following? Um, I used to teach for uh, schools how to network. And, and it's been amazing to me in Clubhouse, particularly to see how many people 
truly don't know how to network. You know, they, I always equate it as networking is not showing up in an event and barfing your business card all over somebody, right? And people are on Clubhouse to connect and meet people and they don't know how. And so we end up talking a lot about that. Um, and, and the idea and also me getting feedback from our community. You know, what's working for you guys? What can we do better? What else can we create? Uh, I think you need to be, I think all leaders need to be very open, regardless if it's a company that you're running or a community that you're running or, uh, you know, organizing the PTA for your school, right? We need to be open to that, not what do I want to give you, but what do people need and what yeah. are you looking for and how can we create more of that? And I don't have it figured out. I say we're kind of all learning as we go, Right. And, you know, the, one of the things that I th- you know, think that you said that I really want to touch on and bring up again, because I think it's so important, is the fact that you said you show up every week because you want people to know you, because you believe in what you're doing and your story. And so that's what I've been, you know, and in all of my podcasting and everything I do, I always try to really phone that in because it is so important to be able to know how to tell your story because we all have a story and not everyone realizes that their story actually can impact someone, right? So even if you're a CEO, um, you know, the president of a company to the janitor, to the cleaning lady, to the teacher, everyone has a story and everyone's story can help someone else if they know how to deliver it, um, I think is so important. So I love what you said there, because it's true. People are are hearing, they're seeing you, they're getting to know you, and that's going to make them want to be more invested in the club because they see who you are, right? And they see this means something to you. And then they hear your story as well. And that story is going to make people be like, you know what, I want to be a part of that because she's definitely a fighter, a survivor. And has a really good skill set that she's teaching other women because she wants to lift other people. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think back when I started, started my first business, there was this concept of, we used to be taught in the business world, a warm wall. We don't let people too close into you because you can't lead people if they can see beyond the warm wall. And so it was this, you wanted to have <laughs> almost like an air of mystery of success. That, and that, I would say, over the last 20 years has completely changed. To completely people changed. People want the wall down. They want to see transparency. They want to know that you are like them. Yes. And, and that's true in corporations, right? This is why companies hire people to craft their story because we all want to see that that picture, you, if you saw the picture going on Amazon of Jeff, uh, Jeff uh, what's the guy who created Amazon? Jeff Bezos. Bezos. Yeah. Bezos. Bezos. And yeah. he's sitting at a desk and there's a, like a, the desk is a mess. It's like a little, you know, old garage desk. And there's a sign on the wall that's like hand painted. Right. That says Amazon. And we see that photo and it inspires hope. Right. Like, you know, because sometimes you only see the finished product, right? We love to hear the story of, you know, Bill Gates sitting in his, you know, in the garage or like a um, guy who created Apple, you know, how they were yeah. in their garage and stuff. But we love those stories of where did it come from because it, it then it binds our hearts. And it makes to it what real. Doing. Right. Yeah. And it also makes it real. But the bind of the heart is totally true. And it makes it real. And it makes it we're like, wait a second. And that's the other reason why I have this podcast, because I want someone to be listening and saying, you know what, I've always wanted to write a book. I've always wanted to start a blog, but I just haven't had the, you know, excuse my, my French, but I haven't had the balls to do it. And that's what I want people to hear. Like you had significant things happen in your life and you still rose above it because you saw what you wanted to do. You're like, you know what, I'm going to go for it. And 
there is something very special about that. And, and I think as you see working more with women, not everyone has that, not even men, you know, there's people that just don't have that. And it is something you can teach, but it is also something that you're, you're really born with. And I really believe that you can help people and guide them. But some people that like, you know, when I started this podcast, I literally was like, I'm going to start a podcast. My husband and my kids were like, oh, what are you going to talk about? And what, do you know how to do that? And I was like, no, but I'm going to figure it out. And I was like, I have a lot of stories, you know? So when I first started my podcast, it was more of a storytelling. It was more of a passion project. And then it just evolved because I started doing what I was meant to be doing. I started getting into my flow. And so I think that's so, you know, it's just so important. And it does. A story makes people connect with you because it's like they are real. And the vulnerability is such an important part. And people really, you know, as you said, growing, you know, back in the day, you were told not to show feelings and not to show, you know, vulnerability. And it's really important that people do because of the fact that's what sells. That's and not in a propaganda kind of way, but that is what connects people to you is a story. Yeah. And you know, one of the phrases I really took to heart when I was going through my daughter's cancer treatment, and now I realize I, t- I, I use this all the time on my own self-talk, is the why not you? So when my daughter was, was given her diagnosis, I remember sitting there with the doctor and the, the resident and they were, you know, we're very sorry. She has, this is bad. She has one of the worst percentages, right, of cure rate in, in the childhood cancer world. And, and then they're like, you know, it's not like leukemia. As if somebody who had leukemia would be like, yay, we have leukemia. Like what parent? It doesn't matter what right. you get a diagnosis with, right? Like right. it's horrible. It's, it's horrific. There's no like, this is the good one. Right. So I'm thinking like, Oh my gosh, I'm thinking they're going to tell me 4%, 5%. And she had a 40%. She had a 40% survival rate from the time she was diagnosed for the kids who most of them didn't make it through treatment, right? And so, but and I always tell the story, it was really funny because when they said 40%, I thought I misheard. So I said, wait, 40, like four zero? Zero, right. And, and they're like, yes, we're very sorry. And I was like, well, almost like five zero, like almost like 50%, right? Right. And, and they look at me and they're like, well, yeah, kind of. And, and in that moment, I, I remember I kind of almost yelled out to them. I was like, oh, that's the divorce rate, 50%. And people get married every day with those odds. This is great news. Right, right. <laughs> I, and they're like, the mother is out understand. She's in denial. But, but I realized now is even if they had told me 1%, I, in my mind, I thought, well, why not me? Somebody's going to have that one percenter. Right. Somebody is going to have that child who defies the odds that the doctor will, doctors don't understand. That's the miracle kid. If someone is going to have that kid, why not my kid? And every time my brain would start to get filled with fear, I would think, well, why not mine? Someone's going to be a 40 percenter. Why should my kid be a 40 percenter? It's going to be that. somebody. And I've really embraced that with everything. And I, I, I talked to him like when you shared, you know, people say, I want to write a book. Well, someone's going to write the next bestseller. Right. right. Why not you? Why Someone's going to write it. Someone's going to be the next person on the New York Times bestseller list. Why shouldn't that be you? Somebody's going to have the next podcast that wins the podcast awards and, and is the, the story that Ruby's talking about. Why not your podcast? It's going to be somebody, right? Yes. Someone's going to break that record for the first. I mean, think about the 10 minute mile. Nobody ever thought you could run for 10 minutes into a mile. And now that is like low ball because one day somebody said, well, why not me? I'll do it. So no matter what it is that you want to do in life, and it, and it doesn't need to be a huge thing. It could be, well, you know, the, the 
our church has never had a thousand members. Well, why not you be the person who creates the welcoming committee that for the first time your church, someone's going to do it. Why not you? Right. Right. And I, I think that. when we use that mentality, it's, it kind of puts us on an equal playing field to the people that we think are so great. They're not so great. They're just like you. And why not you? Like we were all born the same way. We all came out naked, like nobody, you know, so yeah. why shouldn't it be you? And I, I do think when you said some people, I heard you say some people are just wired naturally. I think for me, at least, I think that that, that confidence comes from a deep understanding of who you are. My spiritual life is very important to me. And so when I think, well, I can't do this, I don't know how to do this. I don't have the resources I remind myself that if this is what I was created for and this is what I was called to do, then I trust that God will provide all of the people, resources, and everything that I need. And, and that would be the same for anybody. If, if you're listening and thinking, well, I really have this deep desire to start a blog, but I don't know how to do that. Well, then trust that if that is what you were called to do because your voice deserves to be heard and you're going to impact people who read what you're writing then God in the universe will provide every resource. And not that it's going to be easy. There's going to be bumps along the way. But if you just start walking, things will open up. And, and I would say that Clubhouse is one of the most amazing tools for us. Like, I don't know how to create a blog. I know how to create a blog. I don't know how to monetize a blog. So what I did was I found a bunch of people who were already doing that, had clubs on Clubhouse and started to like make friends with them. That's how I met Terry Holiday. I said, you have a blog. It makes money. Can you come do a room with me? Right. Yes. I didn't know how to build an email list. I reached out and I said, okay, who's good at building an email list? I got like five people. I said, do you guys all want to do a room? Literally, I opened the room. I'm like, hey, here's the room. This is what we're going to talk about. And then they all talked and I sat with my pen and paper and took five pages of notes. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason in today's world that you you don't need to go to college or get a degree. You have access to everything you ever want to learn or do through YouTube, videos, podcasts, you know, the information is out there. So why not you? Why not you be the next person? I love that. I totally got the chills because that's so true. It's so freaking true because it is. Why not you? Like, instead of saying, why me? Why not you? Right. And just go and do it. And so that is so important. And another thing that you touched on, which I touch on here on all the time is I believe very strongly as well, that God has a path for everyone. And sometimes you just need to pause and listen and be aware of what's going around you because sometimes you haven't stepped in that, right? You haven't stepped in it yet because you're just going full head, you know, full speed ahead and you're not being aware. And, you know, I am a very active person. I'm a go, 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 but I do. And that's when I walk my dogs. I, I take it down because that's what's really important to me to take it down and just be aware and just listen because I really believe that God speaks to you. And if you just listen, you'll be able to see and hear what's going on and it'll give you signs. You know, there'll be signs there. And again, if you're listening to this being like, ah, oh, I don't believe in that. The universe, it's God or the universe, whatever you believe in, there is a path. You just have to like pause your body and listen and then keep going, you know, keep going. And there's going to be times where you're like, oh, wait, I'm hitting a wall here. That means you just have to listen again and then take the left or the right. But then those doors are going to be opening up again if you're in what you're meant to be doing and you're in that path and you get into that flow. So I love that you said that. It's so interesting, right? Because as you're speaking, I'm thinking the doing is the easy, the listening is the hard. Totally. It's hard to quiet down enough because oh, yeah. we get so everybody and everybody has opinions on what we should be doing or how we should be doing it. 
and kind of getting still enough. So a question I ask a lot is, what is the, particularly when things don't go the way that we want, right? And, and I would say I'm probably naturally wired this way, but I have developed this over the years and particularly after my daughter and divorce and everything. What is the gift here that I'm not seeing? What is the gift that I'm missing? Because I truly believe no matter how bad a situation is, and I can even go back now to, to my divorce and say there were gifts in that horrific season. And so I really believe that there's a gift in even the most horrific things. Like I can go back to, you know, standing in my living room and being afraid that somebody was going to kill me. And I don't mean this is just paranoia fear. This is somebody who's like, I'm going to kill you. And let me tell you how I'm going to kill you. Right. And and it was a real fear. And, and the gift that I got from that was the decision that I would never, ever, ever live my life a day afraid again. Even if that meant I was going to have less, less days that I would rather live two weeks and be unafraid than 20 years afraid. And that gift actually has served me very well during, during COVID. When I've had so many people and family members so afraid that I just made a, a stand in the ground, line drawn, yep. I will never live my life afraid. I will make appropriate decisions. But right. who knew that that gift in such a horrific season would shape how I would live my life, you know, 15 years later during a, who knew, or 10 years later, right? So there's gifts in everything that we get. You know, I, I some people say, oh, it's so bad you had to go through all of that. And I think, well... If I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't know how strong I was. I wouldn't know how, I wouldn't have found my voice. I wouldn't, I've gone now and I've been able to do advocacy work and testify to get bills passed in my state for domestic violence victims and, and, uh, you know, other relationship victims. And I wouldn't have done any of those things. So there were a lot of gifts, but we have to be willing to, to find the gifts. And there's a great saying that, um, I love this saying that we have to be willing to let go of the life that, that we you know, what we wanted in order to have the life that God created for us. Yes. And it's something paraphrased in that respect. But like when you were saying, we get so narrow and this is what it's going to look like. This is what I'm going to do. This is the path that we miss all of this stuff that maybe was off the path because we were too focused. And so asking questions like, well, is there a better way to do this? Or is this even right for me? Is this what I should be doing right now? It's so particularly if you're creative, you can have a lot of great ideas. It doesn't mean that's what you should be doing right now in this day and in this season. Right. And so, you know, is this where I'm really called to be using my time right now? I do a lot with like, does this feel light or does this feel heavy? If it feels light, then I trust that it's from God and the Holy Spirit. If it feels heavy, then I'm going, all right, something's misaligned with my, my spirit. And I don't know that this is what I should be doing right now. Um, so I love that you, I, I don't walk, I, I, I hear people who run and who exercise regularly get that Zen state and that I'm struggling in creating that habit in my life. Uh, right. Because I do feel that when we can slow down enough, there's actually that you slow down to speed up. Right? You do. You're more effective when you can slow down. Yeah. And I have to say, so I work out also pretty much five or six days a week. But that's not when my when I'm like at my creative best or when I slow down because I'm focused on like what I'm doing. But I do get a clearer mind, right? So my mind gets clearer. And then after the kids are off to school is when I take my dogs for a walk and I take them, you know, for usually it's at least 45 minutes to an hour, depending on how fast we're going. Um, And it is like one of my favorite times. And there'll be times where my husband, like on the weekends, if I, you know, if the kids are all busy and we don't get a dog walk in, there's times in my life, my husband's like, Ooh, I, I think you need to take the dogs for a walk because he sees, he calls it my squirrel brain. He's like, he knows that once I come back, I'm usually at way better peace. And it's funny, I always have my earbuds in for times where like I go on Clubhouse or listen to podcasts, listen to music, 
catch up with a friend. There's other times where I don't do any of it. I have them in just if I feel like, okay, this is what I want to do. But I literally ask myself before I take my walk, okay, am I catching up with a friend? Am am I doing work? Because that's a lot of times, sometimes I'll do work there too, but work that doesn't take me away from still kind of being present in what I'm doing, if that makes sense. That's so interesting. I was going to ask you, do you walk with music on or earbuds in or do you just walk in silence? I am curious though. Now, what kind of dogs do you have? I have boxers. Oh, you have two? I have two. And they are like, they need actually which I won't get into, but we, everyone, I, we lost my mailboxer this summer and it's literally oh. take, cut my legs off. I mean, it's, it was the most, yeah, it was sudden and I was not in a place oh. that had a really tough time this summer. And so again, we adopted a puppy. I was not in the place to do it, but my female was really, really missing him. And again, I was having a really hard time. So I swear my boy Doyle, sent little Herbie to us. And Herbie decided when he first came that he didn't like to walk. And I was like, um, hmm, okay, this is a problem because this is what I do. So it was a lot of um, challenges. Like I was really mourning, still mourning my my male Doyle, who I still every day wake up and I'm like, oh, buddy, still very heavy. Um, but this guy is sweet and I love him. And But we have to like train so that there's been times where I can't do what I want to do. I can't listen, I can't pay, I have to pay attention to him to get him trained to be able to get him walking. So we adopted him in August. And I want to say we are just about where he's not just stopping and sitting. And like, he is from the South. He was rescued from the South. So we kind of laugh that he's um, a Southern dog and he kind of just like take his time. I'm like, dude, we're in New York. (laughs) We go, we walk fast. That's when my brain settles down. When we walk slow, my brain goes off to a thousand different things. So it's actually very funny. But I think again, it was God being like, okay, you know what? That was tough. You went through a tough season and we're just not going to make this easy. We're going to make it where you have to be very present for this, this puppy and really, kind of get out of your own head and and do it. So yeah, so we've been, I haven't been able to catch up with my friends as much or do some like listening to things because I have to be very present to him and really get him ready to be like, okay, nope, we're walking, we're walking, we're walking. Stay tuned for a quick message from my sponsor. Hi, my name is Shari Hodes and I'm the president of Aura Limited, a proud all-women-owned brand marketing and global sourcing agency. Simply put, we provide fashion-forward swag for any and all of your branding needs. Please visit us at www.auralimitedspelledout.com. I've never heard of a dog that doesn't want to walk. So weird. I didn't even know that existed, so that's really funny because I think my poor dog would love to be walked more. And so again, I would say, what's the gift? Like, okay, so what's the gift in this? Like, what is the gift in having this dog that's driving me crazy? Right. And and where am I missing that gift? Because as I was hearing you say, I can't talk to my friends and I can't listen to Clubhouse as much. Perhaps there's I, I always think like, okay, so what if you were listening to Clubhouse? What if you were listening to your friends? Maybe that would be steering you in a direction that you're really not supposed to be in right now. And because this dog is not allowing that, it's protecting you from getting information or getting overwhelmed with information that you really would not support where your gifts, where you're supposed to be used right now. Right. And, you know, it's it's funny because when I was walking today or yesterday, I actually stopped and was like, okay, you know what, what it's doing is it, I, since Doyle has passed, I've just been making myself busy. Like not I'd like anytime I think about him and I, I'm not going to start crying on this, but anytime I think about him, it takes me to my knees. So I was like, okay. And I was doing a lot of that stuff to distract me. 
And I think God is like, okay, we, cause I have, I've had other pets die. I've had family, you know, die. Um, this one really, really messed me up. Like it really messed me up. And it was not something that I was expecting to have like hurt as, as much as it did, even though he and I are super connected and I'm a super dog person, obviously. But I think this guy is brought into this world because it's like, you need to slow down and you need to deal with your emotions right now and really deal with them. Because if you stuff them and I, literally on this podcast and to my kids every day, like, are you stuffing your emotions? (laughs) I talk about stuffing emotions. And I think that is what I've actually been doing. And I'm still not completely over it because I still like, I'm like, you know, I might even have to go talk to someone about it because it it is definitely holding me um, in a situation that I haven't been in really ever truth be told. And like business and podcasting is all going wonderfully, which is interesting. So it's like, Ooh, okay. Like I was in such a flow and then this happened and it just, you know, took me, literally took me down. I would say that that doesn't surprise me when I, when I could just say I've lost other pets. I've had people, but this one, because if you think about the last two years, and I would say that I'm somebody who's developed a pretty strong resiliency muscle, pretty good BBA, bounce back ability that, you know, even when, when COVID first hit and you know, my family was great, I was like, no, we're good. I'm like, yeah. good. I can find the gift and everything. But now we're going on almost two years. And, and I've been sharing that my anxiety level has been higher than it's been in a number of years. And it's been interesting to observe this because in some respects, my life is really like what you're saying, really, really good. Like I have a great relationship right right now. My daughter's doing well. Business is good. But when you live in constant uncertainty and regardless of where you, this isn't like political or anything else, but just there's been an uncertainty and unrest in our country. Even I recently flew down to Miami and I was saying, even just being in the airport, um, I was watching two guys get off a plane. They were screaming at each other. People were videoing. People were like aggravated on the plane. I think when we're living in this world where people feel very unstable, very unsafe on either side, right. uh, they feel very uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, even with school starting this fall, I think every parent in the world is like, what's going to happen? Are right. we going to be in school, not in school? Are we going to be there two weeks? Or are we going to come home? And so when you have no... Even think about like planning, well, next, you know, we just planned a trip or planning a trip for February and we're all kind of like, okay, what's February going to be like? Are we going to be able to travel? We can right now. Can we? Nobody knows. And when yes. you're in that state for so long, even the most grounded person, I think, gets there, gets shaken. Yes. So if you are already coming where maybe on a scale of one to 10, you normally operate at a one and it's a 10 to really kind of flip your lid, right? You've been living probably at a five, like the rest of the world for the last two years. So then when something like the loss of an animal that normally would not boost you to a 10, it might boost you from a one to a five when you're already at the five. Now it's five to 10 and boom, you're, you're flipped. And so just acknowledging that it doesn't matter that in the past that hasn't unsettled you. It's that this, these last two years have been very unsettling. And now this constant, this my security of I have my dog and we walk every day and this is my routine and this is one thing that feels stable and normal was <laughs> ripped away. I, it's not shocking right. that it's a different experience than in the past. No, yeah. And you know, it's 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 funny and I know we're, we're going to wrap this up and I love how this kind of took this turn um, because I think this is so fun. It's almost like they're in a clubhouse room, you know, like kind of listening to us because I've had other animals and again, I'm so connected to those other animals but a lot of them also were sick and they were suffering. 
And so it was okay for me, even though I was so sad, I felt good that I was able to help them pass. And it was expected. It was expected. And he had a heart condition. And three weeks before that, he actually died. And I brought him back from CPR. Oh my, oh which is insane. My husband and I did. And, and this was another situation where my husband's like, how did you know to do that? And I was like, I heard screaming. I heard CPR, do CPR. And I just all of a sudden started doing it. I've never done it on an animal. I've never done it on a person. And we brought him back. And that wow. situation really messed me up. It was really scary. It was so, and I was constantly scared. And as you said, I'm not a fearful person, but every time I left or anytime I was like, what if this happens when the kids are home alone with him? Like, what if, what if, what if? And I couldn't get myself past that. And I prayed to God. I actually prayed. He was in the backseat. We had just come from the vet and they were like, you know, he has to stay in a crate because he hurt his knee. I was like, how did he hurt his knee? He didn't hurt his knee. My sister and her four kids were coming. He loved them. He was a high energy dog. And they were like, you have to keep him quiet. And I was sobbing to my girlfriend and I said... Um, I can't, I can't keep his livelihood is running and us for our walks and playing. I cannot do this to him. I don't want to see him suffer. Like I've seen my other dog. Cause my other dog had the same condition. He had a cardiomyopathy. And right when I said that, I said, I just need God to be there for me. He screamed and he died in the backseat of my car. And I almost crashed. It was, again, I did not plan for this podcast to go this way, but you guys are getting it, getting some insight. And I almost crashed and I couldn't save him. And that it can't get out of my mind that I couldn't save him. And I think that's one of the biggest things. I mean, I believe this for humans and I've never thought about it for dogs, but I've seen this with a few people. So I, I believe this with humans that I believe that not that people consciously choose when they're gonna pass, but that their soul really chooses when they're going to pass, which is tough when you hear like a child dying or an adult that was struggling with cancer or something like, how did that soul choose? Um, But perhaps if that extends to dogs, that your dog soul like knew how much pain he was causing you by being in that state and was like, I'm going, I'm going to, and I guess it's also because I don't believe that souls die. Right. And I don't really believe that yourselves, you know, that we just kind of all, we're all connected. We're all like energetic beings together. Yes. Um, that your dog was like, I'm not, I love you. I'm not going to put you through this and I'm okay. Right. You know, and this is the time to leave. And that um, in some ways, maybe that was a gift to you so that you didn't have to watch him suffer or be in a constant state of fear. Yeah. And you know, and I prayed like, that is one thing for, for him, especially we used to, I used to laugh. Cause I'd be like, you're living to your 12, but you can't, like, I can't see you be sick. Like I saw Lucy, who was my first boxer yeah. every other day she collapsed. And I was like, Oh my gosh, is this like, you know, it was, and for like Horrible. six, six, seven months, like she was sick that, that sick. And so I would, I would always have this conversation with him and he would literally look at me and he would put his paw, like he would go like this and it was like our thing. And he would kiss me, but he kissed like a human. So he would just like push his lips up to my lips and he would kiss me after I would have these conversations with him. And as crazy as it sounds, anyone that's listening to this, that's not a dog person. It's like, wow, she, she's insane but that's okay. And so I would always say to him, I, I cannot watch you suffer. You're my big boy. And as sexist as it sounds, I was like, you're my boy. Like you're the protector of this. Like you just are this big mushy man and I don't want to see you suffer. And so I've said that to him since he was a puppy. Cause we got him from friends of ours. Well, there you go. I You've been telling him all along. 
wrong, that's what he was going to do. I he was know. like, okay, mom, I, I remember you told me this I is the know. deal. I'm good. And I'm waiting for me to get to that point. I just haven't, I haven't gotten there. I've just still, I'm like, there's not, it's not an anger, but it's a frustration. You know, it's like a frustration. Like yeah. did the doctor, I think the doctors, we didn't have a good cardiologist for him. We were in between them and, you know, he just didn't get the care that he deserved. And so that pisses me off, but it's one of those things that we all work through, right? We all have to work And maybe through. had they, maybe with a different cardiologist, he would have gotten the care, but it would have been a longer, more drawn out, painful thing. I mean, one thing that's difficult with pets is they can't say, I know this is what we want to do, right? So perhaps you had gotten him care, but his quality of life was still so bad under that care that it was worse. It was worse. And that's what I and, did. I never wanted that for him. Yeah. And, I, and again, that's where sometimes, you know, and I think, obviously this is very dramatic. I, I think when my daughter was at the end of treatment, I thought she had relapsed and oh. I had a very strong reason to believe that she had relapsed. And at that point, had she relapsed, there was no cure. It was just, okay, how do we extend quality of life basically? Right. And, um, I, I remember we got home from having the scans done. I was fairly certain that she had relapsed and was waiting for a call from the doctor and I put her to bed. And I remember I, I locked myself in the bathroom I don't know why the bathroom, but I got right. my hands and knees on the floor in the bathroom. And I was like, God, I had been going through this emotional roller coaster for, you know, um, I think at that point it was like a year, almost a year and a half or so. Wow. And I was like, I'm done. I can't. And if she's going to live, great. And if she's going to die, I'll deal. But I, I did not know it. Right. I can't handle anymore. And I'm not leaving the bathroom until you tell me. Because oh. I am like at my, I can't. And then I openly, I don't know how long I was in the bathroom, but I do know. That, and, you know, when God speaks to you, you know God speaks yes. to you, right? <laughs> God spoke to me, but it was not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to know, is she going to live or die? Right. I'll handle whatever you tell me, but I need to know. And what God said to me is, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are that, that, that number one, you would demand something like that, but number two, how long does she have to live for you to feel like it was long enough? Um, okay, so she gets to the end of treatment. Is that long enough for you? Okay, she gets to seven. Seven was like the pivotal age because it meant she was so many years after a bone marrow transplant. If she gets to seven but dies at eight, was that long enough? Oh, God. What if she gets all the way through treatment and then she's in high school? Like a friend of mine, her daughter went to college, was walking across the street at college and got hit by a drunk driver. What if she gets through college and then like another friend of mine, she's in her 30s and in the middle of her sleep, her heart went out and she died in her 30s in her sleep. Right. Like at what age does your child need to live for you to feel like, yes, that was long enough? Because the reality is, as a parent, is any time a child, no matter how old they are, dies before you do, it's it's devastating. devastating. It doesn't matter if she's 60 and I'm 90, right? It's going to be devastating. And what God said is, you have to remember, I'm her father first. You're her mother here on earth. But I'm her father and I love her even more than you do. If you can even imagine that because I'm God, right? Right. And my ability to love is so much greater than, than your ability as a human. Um, and so you get to have her as long as I give her to you. And that every day with her is a gift. And remember that every day is a gift, but she will stay with you on earth as long as she's meant to be on earth. When her time is done on earth, she won't be here. And right. It's not going to be a certain age or how long. And it was just this kind of like realization of number one, you, every day is a gift, Right. And number two, we have zero control. Even if she had lived through the cancer, through the treatment, there, even now, she's 15 years old, there's no guarantee right. that, that I will outlive her, right? Um, as much as I want to, 
right? But there's no guarantee and coming to terms. And then what, what, what really ended it was with God being like, and no matter what happens, no matter down the road, whatever happens, you know, down, no matter how much pain you ever have in your life, I will always be there to like hold you through that pain. And that doesn't mean that I think she's going to die, but that is right. what you have to go through in life. I will still always be there. And it, and it was really just like, well, that wasn't the answer that I wanted. Right. Um, right. But it was also a very much like, you know what, at some point we just have to totally release and realize that we have as much as humans, we try to so find any piece of control that we can hold on to. We really have no control, right? Like right. We have zero control. And so even within, you know, the dog, I'm like, well, I wanted to control it. And I wanted to have him have the help that he needed. And I, I wish I had been able to do more. And I did the CPR because I wanted to bring him back. And I was ready to do that again. So I could control the situation. Right. You have no control. And it sounds like you were given this beautiful gift of this beautiful dog that how lucky you had all of those days right. with him, you know, and then coming to a place of, but that, that was a gift. And when he was meant to leave the earth is when he met the earth. And that's hard when people leave the earth when we don't want them, want them to, right. to leave the earth and come to like the, that, and particularly when you think about like really violent, horrible things right. that happen to people, right? Like, and people go, well, how can you explain that? And, and my answer is, I can't, I can't explain right. what's going on in other countries right now. I can't explain. You know, and so I, I come in the fact that I have faith in God and the stuff I don't understand, God understands. And it's okay that I don't understand. And and it doesn't take away that we have pain. I mean, that's part of our human experience that we have pain and that it's normal to miss, you miss your dog. Yeah. And, you know, and it's kind of like people, you know, as somebody who's never gotten remarried, I always thought I would remarry. And I look at people who, um, you know, their spouse dies and they're just grief stricken. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I have a lot of, obviously, empathy for somebody going through that. And in my mind, I always think as I, I see that, I think, wow, you are so lucky. You are so lucky that you had that person that you loved that much that it's that painful to lose that. Right. Because you have someone like me or a lot of the other single people on the planet who would give anything to have five years with that person. Right. Right. And as sad as it is that you lost that person, you are so lucky to and be so blessed. To have because loved. there are people who go through their whole life who never get to have that person. That's you so know? true. It's such a good way to look at it too. Really is. Yeah. So, you know, there are people who, who will never have a, re- a relationship with an animal or a pet that they loved as deeply as you love that dog or will have that great yeah, dog. No, and he was, you know? oh, he was the best. He was so, Doyle Han. He was the best. He really yeah. was. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and poor little dog now, like you're like, you're never going to be as good as, you know, <laughs> it's like, Her, Herbie's poor replacement dog. Herbie, you know? yeah. Um, we're, we're Herbie, Herbie will get there. We're, we're working with him. And Doyle, I, as know? I told Doyle, I was like, come on, snap him too. Let's, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on, little puppy. But you know what? It'll be interesting. 10 years from now when, when he's old and he's the best walker because you invested so much time right. in him and you're going to be like, Remember how crazy you used to make me? And he's going to be like, wow, I'm the best walker you ever had. <laughs> totally. It's so funny. It's so funny. And it's funny because I talk to my friends and they're like, oh my God, that'd be so frustrating. I'm like, it is frustrating, but it is what it is. 
And I am very good yeah. at that. Like I take my breath and I'm like, okay, Herbie, let's go. Let's figure it out. We won't walk as long as I want to because we're here to work this together. So I do have to say yeah. that I have gotten that. And you know what? Maybe this whole podcast, because usually your next stops are 30 minutes, but maybe this one was meant to happen because of, I said to you, I was like thinking I need to talk to therapists. I really have never talked to a therapist, but this was maybe what I needed. You know, God was like, okay, yeah. this is what we need. So Tara, I just have to say, thank you so much for Aww. joining us. And um, I really appreciate it. I'm so glad that we had this time together. Cause again, I think you're doing phenomenal things and I just wish you all, all the best. Aww, I really do. Well, I really, I truly mean this. I really hope you keep me updated on this dog walking. Like, <laughs> I want to see some pictures. I want to see this dog. Um, because the other thing I would tell you is that it's only been, it sounds like eight weeks. Like that's yeah. nothing. It's not, he's young. That's nothing. He's still a little puppy. So, you know, it's not, it's not forever. Sometimes when we're in that mist of being frustrated, we feel like this is how it's always going to be. It's not always right. going to be this totally. way. It's kind of like, you know, um, my daughter, my gosh, I used to change her diaper for years and years and years way past a ch- child should have their diaper changed, right? Because of all of her chemo and everything. Right. I was like, I am going to change diapers the rest of my life. And then I'm like, Tara, nobody wears a wedding dress and a diaper. It'll right. be fine. <laughs> right. Totally. You know? So I in eight, eight more weeks, I want to see how this little I, pop is. I totally yeah. will. And then I want you to start taking yours for a walk and seeing how, like, if you clear your mind and if, like, if it does the same thing to you. So I will laugh. I, this is going to sound dramatic. And you're laugh. I, I lost my dog to COVID. Not really to COVID, but uh, what happened is we have a little chihuahua hot dog. It's my daughter's emotional support dog. Yes. And, and she is she is the sweetest little dog. And we've talked a whole other podcast about how we ended up with this dog. But she went, we went brought her home to see my mom over Christmas because we were there for Christmas. Oh. My mom was like, oh, can you kind of, well, I'll keep her here for a couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And right. And now the dog, and the dog is so spoiled that I don't even know that we can take her back because she's so used to sitting on a lap all day, every day and being pet. Right. And so my brother took her for like, my mom went away and I went away and my brother took her for three days and the dog was miserable. Like all she did was whine all day. Oh, nobody my gosh. sat and held her all day. We're like, this dog is becoming so spoiled. So I keep telling him like, well, I lost my dog to COVID because right. my mom was quarantined. She was alone. We were like, all right, let her have the dog. So... I don't even know if I still have a dog anymore. She literally brings the dog back so I can take her to get her nails clipped in the vet. And then she goes back. So I'm like, I paid for the dog, but I don't think it's right. my dog anymore. Oh my gosh. That, <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, then we'll, we'll have to work on getting you a boxer. We'll have to yeah. work to getting oh you a boxer. I'd be happy if I could just get on a treadmill. I, I know that I need to make a more conscious priority of exercising. And I go through spurts. Like I joined a gym, you know, once things kind of chilled out a little bit and I'll be really good and go three, four times. But I, part of it is I just, I truly don't enjoy it. So we don't like to do things that we don't no, I, I enjoy. Hear yeah. Um, and I'm trying all different things. I'm like, well, maybe I'll join a yoga class. Maybe I'll enjoy just walking on the treadmill. Maybe I'll enjoy just doing weights. I'm like, I just don't enjoy any of it. I, I enjoy eating Oreos. Like, I don't know what to do. Right. <laughs> you'll, you'll get there. You'll definitely get there. Yes, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I will definitely keep you, you keep you posted. But again, thank I you. Totally so, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Guys, you know what to do. If you like what you heard, rate, review, and subscribe and share this episode. I mean, I got very, I got very vulnerable. I mean, I do a lot, but that was, I haven't shared that out in a live public. So I'm happy that I was able to do it with you, Tara. Thanks again for joining your next stop. I hope you liked this episode of your next stop. Please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends and join in each week. 